Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Last year was a hard year for such a long time. This year is gonna be Uh, hey everyone, welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode 74. Um, we have a bunch of great guests here to help us recap the entire year of 2015, which is an ambitious undertaking, I think. Um, we have um, Diana, who's at Diana2ends with some underscore or something on the Twitter. Hey Diana, welcome Hello. back. Thank you. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, glad to have you back. And we have Ali, who's been on before at Ali Dice, and Chris, who's uh, making his his Helping Friendly podcast debut. Thanks, Chris, for joining. Uh, anytime. 
Glad, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad that you um, glad that you joined. And we have Zach, who's at the baby's mouth, who's who's here as well. Hey, Zach. Hey. And um, Jonathan is here. Brad is not here. Brad is putting his kids to bed, which seems to is what we say on every single podcast at the intro. And he's supposed to get on later. So we're going to talk about the entire year of 2015, fish here, and and we're going to do that through some music, of course, but. Um, we have uh, we had some stuff to look at the fish.net piece that came out with the the top top ten of 2015 and um, Zach put together an an essay on his take on 2015 and we have a lot of people still still thinking about it and considering it um, and also we should be getting some dates soon right are we getting dates soon March March fucking oh, always March no dates. Never. No dates ever. Um, I so heard they were going on hiatus. They are. Well, they are <laughs> until like until summer. Um, so we have a lot to talk about, but we do want to hop right in. Um, we decided to split this up into three parts because um, taking on a whole year of fish is obviously is obviously a, a big undertaking. So the first part, we're going to play tracks that um, Diana, Chris, Allie all all chose, and then we're going to chat about them. This first part's about the new material that came out in 2015. Um, so we'll talk about the music after after we hear it, and then part two um, will be kind of the idea of how the improv has evolved in 2015, and we'll listen to some some music that um, that will set the frame for that. And then the third part, we're just going to leave you with some music because um, these guys picked a lot of great stuff, and um, we wanted to just put out part three, just music, no talking. So um, you'll have several hours of fish um, t- 2015, courtesy of Chris and Allie and. Uh, Chris and Ellie and Diana. So thank you guys for joining. Um, and we're looking forward to, uh, to having a good chat, but first let's just get into a few tracks from, uh, from 2015 and we'll talk about them after. Just took the covers off the 
All right, welcome back, everyone. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil Story Made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Um, hope you enjoyed that that music. Um, the first thing we heard was Blaze On from Shoreline, which was a pick from Diana. Then we heard the No Man, No Man's Land into Twist um, from The Man, which was a combo of Chris and Allie, and I kind of cheated because obviously Twist isn't new material, but it was just... It, it was too good to to not include there. Um, and then um, Mercury from Dix, which I think is uh, kind of an interesting new song that a lot of people have been, been talking about. But Diana, why don't you kick us off and just tell us why you chose this blaze on and, and what, what this uh, track meant to you this year. Sure. Um, so first of all, uh, following the first two shows of the tour um, and then coming out uh, with six new songs, seven if you include um, Scabbard, um, which I guess was a Fish debut. Um, I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, not really something they've done in past summer tours. Uh, so it was a pretty exciting start to the summer um, with all this new material to see where they were going to go with it. And, um, you know, that was, Shoreline was the third sh- uh, show of the summer. And for them to take that brand new song and open the second set with it and just like tear it apart and, the first 46 minutes, I think, of that set were the blaze on into twist into light. I mean, they couldn't have, you know, it couldn't have proven itself better, I think. Um, the way that it was played, it gets dark, it gets dirty, it, it already is type two, even though it hasn't been type one yet. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have a type one. Um, so I don't know. It, it was just super impressive and, and really got me excited to see where they were going to take the rest of the, the new stuff. Awesome. It was a great and a great jam too. I mean, it was really impressive. Chris and Ali, what's your, um, what's your take on the, on this song? Um, I mean, I think overall the new material is great. It's, it's the best batch of, uh, new material the band has had. Oh God! You've got to definitely go back into 1.0 for it. I mean, it blows the it blows the wingsuit material out of the water. Um, blaze on, um, catchy, fun. Um, took a little while to to truly love, so that shoreline jam definitely helped. I mean, there, there's some really bad lyrics in Blaze on, but it's still such a fun song. Uh, Mercury. Uh, I hope they bring that back. They definitely, you know, spent so much time working on it. But, but, I mean, the real gem of, of the new songs is No Man's Land. Um, I mean, fiery, groovy, um, everything about that song is what is what you want to hear when you go to a show. So that's your clear, clear uh, favorite new tune? Obviously. Oh, without a doubt. Zach, what's your take on the new stuff? Thought the, it was curious how they sort of really, really tried to rework Mercury throughout the year. And there was a lot of sound checks and a lot of... I think maybe three or four versions um, that were quite different. I think it'll probably take a really expert producer in the in the studio to make sense of it and to help them um, figure out the parts. I think yeah. it's Mercury's definitely. I think interesting. I sort of agree with Chris that like it, you know, No Man's is sort of like the the just you know the newest anthem or sort of thing that um, I was actually going to ask the group if, if if anyone thought or had heard of 
this idea that No Man was like an outcropping of the Dick Simple from 831 and then the Down With Disease from Miami. It's sort of, if you guys had ever had heard that idea, um, that there's, so basically it was you know, just the, the same chord progression and rhythmic association, um, which, which would sort of go back to, you know, just the idea of repurposing the best jams and turning them into songs. I think that's something that... Are you talking about the Dick Simple in 2014? Yeah. The 14, yeah, the first night, that Friday, Simple and the Ghost. I think I I've heard, heard it. Yeah, go ahead. No, I said I haven't heard it in there. I always hear uh, David Bowie's fame in the second half of it. <laughs> yes. And I have yes. been in a death match with uh, my fellow uh, comrades at Fishnet. Sometimes, uh, <laughs> Get them to add the uh, the David Bowie fame teeth in there. Nice. I can have the symbol. No way. I I should have said at the beginning um, about the your your fishnet um, contributions, Chris. First of all, thanks for for doing that. And second of all, I think this is our first. You're our first fishnet um, guest. Um, so, yeah. Wow. We're, you want to talk about why Coventry was an awesome festival? <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm <laughs> I'd love to, uh, Jonathan. What, what's you want to jump in? Yeah, you know, um, I, I want to say that I agreed with uh, Chris's comment that Blaze On took a minute to 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 get me or for me to get it, but this uh, this Shoreline version definitely helped, and I went back to it today. In fact, and uh, as I was convalescing, and it, it was, uh, oh God, it was it, and I almost danced, which is saying something because I can't dance right now. Um, <laughs> Some would say ever, but um, I, I thought it was – Blaze On is – I think I texted you today that um, you could almost chart the year by listening to the different versions of Blaze On hmm. if, if only they had you know, done it in the last run. Um, it, it, it's, such, it's, it's a great song. Um, no Man's while, – while we're kind of talking overall, uh, I think No Man's really uh, – somebody I know said it pretty astutely a little bit cynically that it sounds like they finally put lyrics to the uh that fish 3.0 funk jam that they had been tooling with toying with for a while um again kind of a cynical statement but there's something to that and then i'm glad you didn't leave out the twist because this twist this the pairing there this is a solid piece of music as anything they did this this year um yeah and i'm one of those guys who just loves Mercury, and I really look forward to seeing what they do with it uh, as we go forward. So- what says the most about the new tunes is that they used one into New into Midnight for the gag, and then one right out of Midnight on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And I mean, for them, so- and, and not only did they do that, but well. everybody went ape shit for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to think about the only times that I can think since I started seeing the band. Where and I started seeing them. My first show at the end of '94, so I started seeing regularly in '95. The only time I could think that everybody wanted to see the new tunes when they were at a show was when the '97 batch came out with Ghost Limb by Limb, and then probably again when Trey started playing a bunch of the tab tunes in '99 in Jabu and Sand. Mm -hmm. But besides that, I don't ever. Chasing them pretty hard in summer '95 too. They started playing new stuff out west, and we were like, "Oh, I want to see this. Yeah, I want to see that. I want to see this." Yeah, we definitely dug free, and we dug, but nothing, nothing like this. Like you know, because I guess maybe because there's also there's a lot more shows back then. Um, but it was definitely it was it was a it was a cool feeling, especially seeing that they delivered on New Year's Eve with the new tunes. 
Especially, yeah. I think, following uh, the year prior when all those Fuego tunes were kind of like drilled into us, regardless of whether we wanted to hear them or not. You know, <laughs> the, t- the top four songs played in 2014 were 555, Fuego, you know, The Line and Wingsuit. Like, it's a lot from the new album and kind of like, I, I think... Maybe, uh, you know, taking uh, a breather from those uh, was a good thing. And hearing these new ones, it was like, okay, these are new ones. Hopefully they replace those a little bit and we those get to take a break a little bit. Yeah, just thinking back to 2013 at the Garden, I remember that whole run saying, I know they're going to play Fuego out of New Year's. I just know it. And I was so excited at the time, and then they played Light, which was amazing, and so it was, that was really cool, and this, this time around, two years later, it just seemed like the either Blaze On or No Man's was, was uh, rather predictable, but I mean, in both, both jams, it was like, wow, and I admittedly am not a huge Blaze On fan overall, but they just keep jamming it over and over and over yeah, to the point where even the hokey song is not even bothering me anymore. So yeah. I don't I know. don't know what it is about the 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 lyrics. I just I love them. I think they're I so love great. Them I think too. it's I think it's because I'm like It's just because I'm I'm very simple when it comes to lyrics, and I understand all the words, and it's like you know, and it's just about. I also feel like it's like. Uh, some sort of acknowledgement of how wh- how far along they've made it in t- in life, you know. I and agree. it's just sort of like the who gives a shit what happens. Let's just keep playing music, you know. Um, yeah. But I I didn't think Ali when to your point. I'm, I was watching the webcast for the thirty first, and I was like, "What are they going to play after New Year's?" And then once it started, I was like, "Of course, it had to be." Yeah. Should have thought of this all along. But that was a pretty great great placement. Um, cool. And I was also going to say, even with No Man's, it took me a little while. It's new songs, I always, I don't know, it takes me a little bit. I'm the type of person, through repetition, I tend to like songs a little better. And in kind of going back to the man, No Man's, right? Or as we like to say here, Grunion and Grunion Cans, always a good song. <laughs> um, you know, that particular version, that night at the man, I was like, wow, did they actually kind of jam that? That was really cool. And then twist, you know, just kind of deviating for a moment. Yeah, what, did you, what did you call it in the notes, Allie? The little jam that could? Was that the was that The, the little jam that could because yeah. it just, it was like the Energizer Bunny, right? It just kept going and going and going. And at the show, it was surreal because it was such a chill jam for such, you know, to build up until about, I think about the 13th minute. And then there, you kind of hear that Egyptian sound. And, you know, at the show, it was just strange because it was like people were like, hmm, what's going on here? And then they just built up that amazing crescendo and everyone was just going bananas. And, and we kind of looked at each other like, was that 20-something minutes? Like it went seemed to go by in three. It was pretty amazing. And then it's always great when you can, you know, re-listen and say, all right, that was awesome. Especially, I have to also give a nod to that gin with the uh, the Mutron at the beginning of the set. I love that. That whole set is pretty oh. spectacular. As a 3.0-er, we don't really get five-song <laughs> sets ever. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> when we do and it ends with Hood, I go home a happy camper. <laughs> That's a good night. So you mentioned the Mutron. Let's talk about the, the Fairly Well um, 
the impact we, we haven't talked about that um and i just before we go into that the, the fish played 27 shows in 2015 and 38 and 14 41 and 13 37 in 2012 so much much um we saw much less fish this year but um we're also we also saw a lot of like side gigs and, and the fairly well stuff so i'd love to hear people's thoughts on how you think fairly well or other side projects have kind of contributed to where they are now well, it was interesting at the beginning of the summer because you could really hear, especially when they're on the West Coast, you can really hear a lot of the dead sound at every show. Are they going to jam the dead? Wow, that really sounded like China Rider. And, you know, I didn't document every single time that they sounded deady, but there's definitely a number of jams throughout the, the summer. The first half, I think, more than the second. And then, I, you know, that kind of dead hoopla seemed to die off towards the end of the summer but I think the biggest contributor was Trey just took a breather right or took some deep breaths he wasn't trying to rush through everything he was actually just sitting back and saying wow okay I guess I'll let you guys jam too which was amazing I think even just watching in bend from the webcast we were watching him and he just seemed like okay I guess I'll just sit back here too it was really neat I think one of the biggest contributions of the Fairly Well stuff, and Trey talked about this in the New Yorker Festival interview. If you guys haven't listened to that, you absolutely should. It's fantastic. Um, and it's so cool. You know, we rarely get to hear him talk like this. But, you know, he talks about having lunch with Jerry's daughter and, and hanging with the whole, whole, the guys in the dead. And he, he talks about, you know, all of this after that calling fish and calling Mike and telling them, you know, I appreciate you. I love you. I'm so happy that we can do this together still. And I think, you know, that was a, a big realization uh, of his from playing with these guys and seeing like, this is, you know, you know, I'm so lucky to have this. And I think, it, it put the whole thing into perspective and, and they came into the summer with like a new energy and a new vitality and a gratefulness for, for us, for, you know, each other. So I thought that was a really good thing that he took from it. Yeah. The, the one thing that I go say, go say that is, um, <clears throat> I might disagree with Allie a little on this. Um, with the exception of the Shoreline show, I didn't really hear much dead in anything they were doing. Um, Shoreline, though, um, you know, at one point you're hearing the wheel and twist. You're hearing uh, China. You're hearing Rider and um, Light. Those who say that oh, you can you can hear Jerry and Trey now are so full of shit. <laughs> Either that or they, they haven't been listening to the super, guy play his part for the last 20 years. Super, super high also. Because he's, because he's not playing any different than he did in the, last, in the last 20 years. Now, what they are doing that's differently, though, he's not playing different, is that he's ha he has more patience. So they're letting things build. Um, and a great example of that is that twist from the man. That jam was dead at least two or three times, but they all just waited patiently for something to happen. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference that you hear in their sound. He's not playing like Jerry. Um, he's just, he's just having a little more patience with where, with where things are going. You need to do so, the accent, yeah. So Chris, you say you don't think his, his playing has changed much over the past 20 years? No, no, I'm saying that if you think that Trey <laughs> suddenly sounds like Jerry, you haven't, that oh, okay. if you're suddenly Sorry. hearing Trey play today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
oh man, listen to all the Jerry and his plays right. since he played fairly well, then you haven't been listening to the guy play for 20 years. Got it. I, yes. th- I think the addition of the Mutron or whatever is a definite thing that yeah. people would then lead people to say it sounds like Jerry. That has a, you know very similar sound to yeah, it but, but that's just uh, you know. that's like pretty superficial to just throw you know throw a pedal and you can sound like anyone but <laughs> the playing itself he can't be like jerry because at this point in his career jerry was no longer there and i hate to be serious about it but that's that's the thing to blaze on about and that's the thing to be super grateful for is that you know trey is sort of not that he ever i don't think only measured himself against jerry or even all that more than Jimmy Page or Jimi Hendrix or 500 other guitarists or Pat Metheny or anyone, you know. If you kind of listen to the chatter through the beginning of the summer, there was a lot of people, sorry, there were a lot of people who were very focused, hyper-focused on the dead because of Fairly Well, which of course is the topic of discussion right now, right? So it was, whether it was, you know, perception is truth, right? So people are listening for it, so they hear it. If they're not listening for it, it's probably always been there to begin with. But it was interesting. And then, of course, there was, um, where was it, at Alpine, I think, on Jerry's birthday, where there was so much hype. Like, are they going to play the dead? Are they going to play the dead? And, and they just did their thing. So I thought that was great. You know, they just said, nope, we're fish. That's who we are. We're not, we're not playing the dead. We've done that, been there. But I agree with Diana, though. I'm sure um, practicing so much Jerry and so much Grateful Dead all year, I mean, he must have just been immersed in the Jerry character mm. and so humbled to be able to take that opportunity to play like that. And then I remember the first night of Fairly Well in Santa Clara where he just looked, Trey looked so frozen on stage. And then by the time we saw him uh, in Soldier Field, he was just having a blast. So, I mean, just to have that moment to be able to do that, you know, and realize, hey, I'm alive. And I've taken all the right steps to uh, stay on this earth rather than, you know, the person I was about, you know, 10 years ago-ish. Uh, I think it says a lot. Yeah, I think the um, the rehearsal and learning the material and playing with those guys it- – of course, it's not going to make him sound like Trey, even when he, or excuse me, sound like Jerry, even when he's playing Grateful Dead songs with the members of the Grateful Dead. He still sounded like Trey playing Grateful Dead songs. But what he did do, and I think when you're talking about how he was far more rigid at Santa Clara than he was at Chicago, as an example of what I'm about to describe sinking in is that he learned the language of Grateful Dead jamming um, firsthand. He had listened to it. He was familiar with it, as are many of us. But it's uh, very different when you actually have to speak it. And and so we did. And one of the things he learned from them, and I know he mentioned it in one of the interviews, um, that it was it was the patience and letting the jam kind of do its thing instead of just pushing and pushing and pushing and just, you know, and slowing the song down and letting the song unfold. Um, and so then Fish Tour came along, and sure, lots of people were like, eh, play Jerry, but it's Fish Tour. And, yeah. you know, but Trey comes in with a few new words, a few new elements from this other language that he's, uh, you know, reinserting because they probably informed the root of fish and certainly they informed some of the roots of fish but he's reinserting them into what they're doing on stage and um and so it did i think it did impact the jams 
uh, in, in a very positive way. And, uh, well, I'm just pleased I was here to hear it. Less ripcords. Yeah. <laughs> and, rip and fanning. Yeah. Fanning. Well, so, so Chris, I want to go back to your the question you you raised or you pointed out originally, and that you kind of answered that you think the new material this year was much better than the wingsuit material, even five. The name of the album was Fuego, you guys. Right, and I just call it wingsuit because that's what Halloween wingsuit. was called. But five songs compared to twelve, but you still think the five this year are better than the the twelve we got it's, last year? It's not. It's not even close. I mean. If you look at the best stuff that came out of uh, of Fuego, I guess you got to give number one to Fuego, even though, I mean, let's not hold it against the song that it's been so overplayed and they decided to stop jamming it out. Um, it's, you know, it's a little, it's a tiny bit of a bummer when they play it now. But. What you, what, I mean, after Fuego, you've probably got what, Wingsuit? I think Winter Queen's amazing. Winter Queen Winter might be I also think That's like the only one five. for me. Yeah. yeah, so there's how, how many I mean, songs Monica. Uh, Wombat, also good. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, come on. I mean, they they wrote between between Blaze on No Man's Land and Mercury. You've got three super solid second set tunes. Yeah, look I mean, at the amount of jams that have come just from Blaze on alone. Again. I can get past the hokey song if they're going to jam, you know, fifteen-ish minutes every time, and it's a good jam. I, you can sing whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> especially <laughs> especially with something like wingsuit, like it it can get massive, but it takes so long to yeah. get there. You know, sometimes it really deflates the energy of what was going on before it, and right. both plays on and no man's really kind of, you know, come out of the gates. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Well, yeah, and, and how's their play, how's the plays yeah. after a rock? It's twenty five minute, twenty five minute down disease. Sometimes it gets a little crazy. You need a breather. I could see a a wingsuit or a winter queen. You know, kind of a ballad. You know, you like need a breather. Come on. <laughs> Some of us feel old. <laughs> I guess I'm getting old. I guess this is that absurd. Yeah. It's like four point Um <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I mean, the the Winter Queen, and yeah, so the, Diana, your point is a good one, which is that these new songs kind of take off from the beginning, and there's not, like, none of them are ballads, I guess. I don't really understand what Mercury is at all. Shade? <laughs> what about that one? Mercury is. Yeah. <laughs> I, have yeah. to say, I have to say, when they played Mercury at Dick's in that second set, so I was a little bit confused. I mean, I know everybody, or sorry, a lot of people really like that song. We're really looking forward to hearing the kind of build up and see what they would do with it. And I like what they did at Dick's, but I remember at the show and then on Relisten, I'm like, in the second set, this is so odd for me. But there are a lot of people that really liked that arrangement, and I could see why. It's kind of a journey. You're not going, you know, there's no massive peak. You're not, you know, it's not really slow. It's right in the middle. They just went for it. And it was, you know, it was like being, I guess, take or driving on the highway on cruise control with really pretty scenery, I guess. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> good. good for, that's really good. I can picture really that. There's some... Go I've ahead, got, you know, Allie, on that front, were you talking about the Dick's Mercury just then? Correct. Clay, I have a, uh, that made me think of something. You know, it's real interesting jam of the year, I think, is uh, uh, the Ben Simple. Um, it was really, I don't know, 
to me, really just sort of really funky little four minute, five minute breakdown. Um, and I feel like that and the and the Dick's Mercury share a lot, where it's sort of sort of like they sort of decide to like do something with it. It's not it wasn't an organic one. It was like, and now we're going to kind of go into a deeper, darker little driving jam. But I, you know, everything you were saying about Mercury, I think is, is really fascinating and totally on point. It, it is a journey like song. It sort of seems like a collage. It's sort of like a better fuego. You know, it's, it's got these kind of mix and match parts and these sections almost, it's kind of a vintage, it's vintagey. It almost could be like a, a Reba or a, or a squirming coil or something that has these sort of collaged elements. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a really refined, great song. I'm not surprised that people really glom onto it. I totally get the Blazon No Men's kind of fat, you know, it's just easier to like those songs, I guess, and just sort of hard to, hard to dislike. But Mercury, you know, I think the fact that they had issues with it and we're trying to work it out, that makes it interesting. That, I mean, yeah. that makes A little yeah. upsetting that it didn't come out on the Holiday Runner Mexico, so I'm hoping um, it doesn't mean, it do, that doesn't mean it's shelved. I'm really yeah. surprised at the positive uh, talk about this. Uh, I, I like it. Um, I would have thought there would be more um, judgment towards it because it kind of, to me, uh, is time turns elasticy. Mm-hmm. You know, it has this oh, these parts and these this journey. And the first couple times it was played, it that weird section where they just stop and then they start again. Um, luckily, by that Dick's uh, version, it was a little fixed, and they, they were playing in between there, but it, it still feels like a, a rough cut, and it needs definite refining. And I, I totally agree with you, Allie, during, uh, when they played it at Dick's, I was, like, laughing, actually. <laughs> I was like, what, it, what is going on here? Like, fine, like, this is cool, but I don't really understand this here. Um, you but you know, I like- listen to Yes Records very curiously listen to some yes records then you'll understand what they're doing i'm willing to give it a chance i just i'm surprised that there's such overwhelming positivity about this i thought the first time i heard it that people were going to be very mixed on it i was, I was, very harsh on it. I was actually very harsh on it until dex until uh, I, I was a little rough on it first at first. Like, i think they finally got it going on it's definitely a work in progress still right i mean i think we all yeah. acknowledge that but but yeah they the dix one is is great Time Turns Elastic, I have to address this real quick. Time Turns Elastic um, was the prog rock tune that tried too hard. There's a whole (laughs) section in the record store, in the used record store, full of those. And this song belongs there, where it will collect dust. That is Time Turns Elastic. Belongs there, where it will collect dust and never be played. Um, Mercury something else it's the next level fish has a lot of songs in that area where mercury belongs which are complicated you know not necessarily conducive to deep jamming but they've got a good thing going on gaiuti for example yeah well at least least with mercury it's 11 minutes right so time turns elastic was 20 plus that i think that's the core Mm. difference there just enough time for a large crew to go to the restroom get back yeah Yeah. (laughs) That was like piss, beer, hot dog, say hi to all your friends, come back to your seat, and you're halfway over. Halfway through. Well, that's when the good part of the song starts, actually. Yeah. Exactly. There's no good part of that song. The relatively better part of that song. Starts. Relatively better. How about the less horrible part of that song? There you go. All right. All right, we've come to common ground. Um, so this is where we're going to wrap up um, our discussion, part one on the 
uh, Fish 2015 talking about the new material and part two we're going to talk um, about the improv and we have some some great picks from that but um, Ali who's at Ali Dice on Twitter thanks for joining you're very welcome appreciate it glad to join Chris Chris Glush um, Diana um, and Zach and Jonathan thanks guys and um, we'll see you all at part two um, which will come out in a few days keep on rocking last year was a hard year for such a long time this year is gonna be Last year was a hard year for such a long time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.